the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down, eating your soul. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Now, your host, Eric Cartier, Senior Pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary Church. Like a tide, it is rising up deep inside a current that moves and makes it come alive. Welcome to Crosswalk with Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much for joining me. Hope that you're doing well and enjoying your afternoon. It's a privilege to be able to host the show. I'm really excited about today's show. Got a good friend uh, with me and also one of our pastors on staff, uh, Billy Demira. He's our worship pastor. Welcome, Billy. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Super, super pumped to be here. Excited to see, uh, know what the Lord wants to do through it. That's awesome. So you've been our worship pastor at RMC for over six years now, yeah? Yeah, close to seven, seven in December. So crazy. I don't think I've ever told you this, but I think that you have the most longevity of any of our worship pastors. I think that I have, this is the longest I've been in one place too. So I think it goes both ways, but I love it. Really grateful to be here for sure. Hey, share with us a little bit just about you, where you're from, your family, how you got to Colorado and RMC? Yeah, um, I am originally from uh, Columbia, South Carolina, so dead center, South Carolina. Uh, lived there for a long time. Graduated high school there. Uh, met my wife. She went to her name's Laura. She went to a uh, Christian university there called uh, Columbia International University. Uh, so we met at church. I was working at a Calvary Chapel uh, in Lexington, South Carolina, at the time, and. Worked at churches, a few churches, um, sold some health insurance, uh, volunteered at a church while I was doing that. And then uh, the previous worship pastor here, Chance, I went to the same worship school that he went to in Fort Lauderdale. And he messaged me on Facebook and told me that he was leaving and thought I should apply. And so I never really thought Colorado was in the cards for us. We had gotten married, I think, like three weeks before I sent my application. And we had sat down and made a five-year plan of what our lives were going to look like. And then we moved two months later and, uh, none of that plan ever, ever came to be. Um, my wife and I have been married for seven years. We have a one-year-old son. His name's Wit. Um, yeah, just love being out here. Um, the Lord's done kind of exceedingly and abundantly more than we could have ever imagined through, you know, moving across the country. And so we're really grateful. We're really glad that God brought you to Rocky Mountain Calvary and to Colorado Springs. And I know you love uh, Colorado and love uh, the mountains. Looking forward to talking about worship. You know, what do you think God is is looking for as worshipers? Like when we worship, what what's his heart towards worship? Yeah, I think, I think the Lord is looking for uh, authenticity and really looking for our hearts as worshipers. I think a lot of times we get so caught up in um, 
what it looks like, what it sounds like, uh, that we can tend to miss the heart of worship. You know, I think a lot of times now uh, we come to church with a consumer mindset. And if it doesn't necessarily line up with how we want it to be, we can miss out on worshiping the Lord. And so I think, um, you know, one of the passages of scripture that we use a lot here is just out of John four, where Jesus says, you know, you don't have to worship this way or this way. It's about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And I think that that is really what the Lord is looking for is worshipers who come to church and come into worship or wherever it may be, uh, really wanting to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth and surrendering to him and what he wants to do in and through that. And, um, you know, kind of pushing our, our, um, preferences aside, which is really hard, you know? Um, but I, I think that's really what the Lord desires. Yeah. That's an awesome passage there in John four, where it says that Jesus seeks those that worship him in spirit and truth. Yeah. It's pretty cool to think about God seeking us. We often think about us seeking God, right? but he's looking for somebody who worships him in spirit and in truth. It seems like churches either are strong in one or the other. Yeah. Churches are really strong in truth, but yet it seems like worship is lacking. And then other churches where they're just like off the charts in worship. Yeah. But there's not sound doctrine or sound teaching. And here Jesus wants us to worship him in truth, the truth of scripture, the truth of who he is. Newman Aletheia, man. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting about that too. I mean, we've had conversations before in the past where, you know, a lot of churches, um, seem to have one or the other. Yeah. And I don't know why the balance isn't more, um, represented. Yeah. Yeah. Like why more churches don't balance that out, uh, better. Yeah. You know, but I think that, um, when you go off that scripture, when we find the balance, I think like the Lord really wants to do a work through it. So trying to figure out how to balance spirit and in truth has been something that we've been trying to do. Um, still learning, still growing, yeah. but really wanting to um, dive into that a little bit more and see how the Lord wants to use that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think as individuals to know, like worship goes beyond that 20, 30 minutes of singing Absolutely. in church. Yeah, we have a, a youth team here and um, we do once a month kind of gatherings where we pour into them a little bit. And uh, the last one we did was on godly character and uh, what it means to be a worshiper and how the 20 minutes you're on stage or whatever it may be is really um, the product of all the time that you spend during the week, preparing, worshiping, getting your heart in the right place and really surrendering to the Lord for that time. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. How about this in the old Testament? It seems like that God sent the worship leaders in first. Yeah. Like when we went into the promised land, Jericho, God says- King Jehoshaphat sending them out. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So what's God saying about worship that the battles won and lost in worship? Why is it so important for us to worship? I think a lot of people listening are like, why is worship such a big deal? Mm -hmm. It's kind of optional for me, Mm -hmm. but why is it important to God? Yeah, I I think really surrendering ourselves- um, before the Lord is really important. And I think that worship does that. You know, I think that when we're singing these songs, when we actually like look at the lyrics, um, you know, like 
uh, that Phil Wickham song, Battle Belongs. Yeah. You know, so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high because, God, this battle belongs to you. And I think that um, there's a C.S. Lewis quote that I absolutely love, and it's, uh, when Christ is exalted to the right place in our lives, that our thousand problems disappear. Mm, I love that. And I think that, that worship does that. Worship takes kind of the pressure off of us trying to figure it out and allows us to surrender and acknowledge, you know, God, um, these truths are what I'm singing, what I'm believing. And uh, I think time in the word is absolutely critical. Like I, yeah. I, I 100% believe that. But I think for me, especially as a musician and as someone who really connects to worship, there's something really special that happens um, when I'm singing these songs and when I'm putting my my myself in a posture of surrender and of worship and having to like sing out of um, places of hurt or pain or doubt or whatever it may be. Um, but really just saying like, God, I can't do this stuff on my own. It's up to you. It seems like there's a real struggle to get to that place where we worship, we sing to the Lord, we're grateful because when it happens, there is real breakthrough. Yeah. When we get perspective of who God is in worship, like that C.S. Lewis quote, then these problems, they diminish. Yeah. You know, and I know for me, I really find myself even in church, like getting distracted. Like I come in and I'm thinking about all the things in our family or as a pastor, I'm like, well, this wasn't right in the bulletin or, (laughs) you know, all these things that we're trying to organize. And I can feel the spirit of God saying, get your attention on my throne, get, get your attention on who I am. Yeah. And when I do, man, it's so worthwhile. Absolutely. And those problems really uh, diminish but it does seem like there's a battle or a struggle to get to that place of genuine worship. Yeah. You know? And I think sometimes you have to push through, which is really hard. Like scripture talks about all the time, bringing that sacrifice of praise. And I think that that, like, sometimes that can mean like, man, I don't want to be doing this, but I'm going to choose to press in. I'm going to choose to worship. And I think the Lord meets us in that. Sounds good. Well, Billy, I'm loving this conversation. Uh, Stay with us. We're going to head to a break on Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. Thanks so much uh, for listening. We're talking about the importance of worship, spirit, and in truth with my friend and guest, Billy Demira. He's our worship pastor at RMC. It's probably the most important thing that we can do is uh, worship uh, the Lord. So hang with us. We'll be right back with you after this break. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk with Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Thanks so much for joining me. Hope that you're doing well and having a great afternoon. I have Billy Demira with me today, and we're talking about worship. He is our worship pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary, and just some of the aspects of what it is to be a worship uh, pastor. I know something that you guys have to really weigh through is this balance with heart and also skill. Yeah, definitely. It takes the right heart, of course, to be on the worship team but also takes a certain level of ability. Right. So how do you reconcile the two? Yeah. Um, it's hard. Like, I'll just say that, um, you know, we've had a lot of people who have come through and auditioned for the team who have great hearts, but they're kind of lacking in the skill area, you know, or the opposite of that, where, uh, someone comes in and they are a killer musician, but you know, the heart may not be there. And kind of the the stance that I've taken and we've taken here is skill can be learned, you know, and I think that you can grow in your heart as well. 
But I would much rather have someone on the team who has a real heart for worship and a heart for serving the church and serving the Lord um, and then walk alongside them in growing them in their skill. And, uh, you know, we've seen the Lord really honor that on our team. We have a lot of people who have come in with with great hearts who are eager to learn. And we give them the tools to learn. We walk alongside them. And now they're integral parts of our, you know, our, our worship uh, team and our, our, our worship on the weekends. That's awesome. One of the areas that we're seeing that take place is with the youth. Yeah. It's been fun to see young people have a heart to uh, worship the Lord, to see you and your team come around uh, young people and and train them up in in the ways uh, of the Lord. You know, I think for some listening, if they're being stirred, like I would love to lead worship and and really practice an instrument. Yeah. I would say the body of Christ really needs you. Definitely. I don't know if you've been seeing this trend, but it seems like less and less people are actually playing instruments and learning how to sing. And it's so important for worship leaders to be raised up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that that it's never too late. You know, uh, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I think that's not true. You know, we have a lot of people who uh, have come on on the team who wanted to play like some crossover instruments, even like, hey, I would love to learn how to play this instrument or this instrument, but I don't know how. And, uh, you know, we've seen people really take hold of some of that stuff, including, you know, our young people. We have a, a young guy on on our team who is interning at the church now, who is leading weekends and, and Wednesday nights in the youth group. And, uh, you know, he started doing guitar lessons a couple years ago and has grown and grown and put a lot of time in. He led at our men's retreat this weekend, this past weekend, and that was really great. And so it's really cool to see people take hold of, you know, the calling that God has placed on their life, whether it's worship or teaching or whatever it could be in, in, in your life and um, grow in that and see the Lord honor it in the local church. It was really fun at the men's retreat last weekend to see how excited the men got Yeah, when a 16-year-old got up and led them in worship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it just shows, you know, the, the hunger of the church to see people raised up. Like when people can see a uh, God doing a work in your life, like everyone gets excited, you know, same thing with baptisms or whatever it may be. And I think that God wants to raise up worshipers and God wants to raise up worship leaders. And we, we know that worship is really important, you know, for, for the heart of God. And so if you kind of like what you said, Eric, if you're feeling that stir, if you're feeling that call, do it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I got a question for you. What kind of fellowship or community is there among worship pastors in the city? Do you guys support each other? in relationship with each other? Yeah, we, uh, there's a, a worship leaders, um, kind of collective that meets a couple of times a month. Um, and then we have formed a relationship with first Pres downtown, uh, Chris Collins, the worship pastor there is a good friend of mine. Um, so, you know, we talk through worship stuff on a regular basis. We're doing, you know, some of our recording down there at first Pres, And so I know that his heart and my heart is to see the city, you know, unite in worship. And so we've been brainstorming some of those ways on how we can be, more effective in doing that too. And just seeing how the Lord wants to use it. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed, especially in the old Testament is God would send the worship leaders in first. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of crazy. Like we're not going in with weapons. Yep. We're going in with worship. Yeah. And why do you think that is? And, and what's the application for us today? Yeah. I think, I think it's all about the, the posture of surrender, you know? Um, there's a, a song that Phil Wickham wrote, Battle Belongs in the Choruses. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high, you know, singing, Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And and I think that 
a lot of times we get caught in striving and we get caught in trying to figure out our problems at ourselves. But um, kind of like we talked about in the last segment too, that, that C.S. Lewis quote, when we exalt the Lord to the, the correct place in our lives, like acknowledging that he's in control, that he's sovereign, that he's good. I think it does something to our heart, you know? And I think that bringing that sacrifice of praise to the Lord when you're in the midst of the battle is, is so beautiful. And I really do believe that the Lord honors it. It seems counterintuitive. Like I'm going through a battle. I've got this difficulty in a relationship or mm-hmm. finances or a ministry struggle. I'm going to worship. Yeah. yeah. Like the logical minds, like how is that going to right. solve anything? Yeah. But, but we get our perspective on the Lord and God, God works, he moves and really shows our dependency upon him mm-hmm. instead of our own resources, our own ideas. Yeah. I think it goes, uh, kind of like hand in hand with praying, you know, like we pray the Lord to align our hearts with his. And so I think that worship is the same way. Like we're declaring these truths that we know, whether we believe them in the moment or not, like we're declaring these truths about the Lord that we know are true. And I think that, that when we really declare those over hardship and um, hurt, that, that God's sovereignty and God's goodness is, is um, kind of magnified in our lives, you know, taking on, uh, like I said earlier, that posture of of just surrender and saying like, Lord, I can't do this. You you have to. Yeah. So if you're in a battle today, maybe you're listening right now and you're like, man, that's for me. I would encourage you to worship. You yeah. Know, get, get that Spotify worship playlist going, you know, sing your favorite songs uh, to the Lord and, and allow God to meet you uh, in, in a special way. We've been in a fun season here at Rocky Mountain Calvary with worship, with, with writing songs. Yeah. Uh, Explain the process. You know, what do you go through when you try to write a song and and seeking the Lord? And how is like that new song birthed? Yeah. Uh, then the songs that we've been writing have honestly just come out of different seasons in our church. You know, uh, we started writing songs a few years ago and we went through the season on the worship team where, you know, there was there was uh, infidelity in marriages and divorce and miscarriages and a really hard season. And so we started writing songs based on those things that, that our team was going through and our church was going through and saying like, man, how do we want to respond to these tough life events? What songs do we want to sing over our, our friends, over, you know, our, our church family. And that's kind of how the Lord birthed that and started that work. And, and we've just been growing in it recently, even more kind of re-exhilarated, relit the fire. And uh, it's really exciting to see, the Lord honor, you know, these seasons and, and songwriting in our church, getting excited about the things that, you know, we're writing. If you want to check out some of those songs, you can go to RMC worship on any of the platforms, Spotify, Apple music, Mm -hmm. and some of the songs that God has given you guys has, has come up. And I think of a a new song is that fresh work that God's doing in our lives. And it's so cool about the Lord is he's always wanting to reveal himself in new and unique ways. Mm-hmm. It's easy to kind of resist a new song from a congregant's perspective. Right. Like, I don't know this song. It may be a song your worship pastor's written or a song he's found, but embracing that worship song. I know Amber and I went through a really tough uh, season and probably 10, 12 years ago, and there was a lot of worship music in the house, and there's like two or three songs out of that that when I hear those songs, it takes me back yeah. to those memories. 
which is sweet, but God wants to meet me in the season that I'm in now mm-hmm. with new, fresh worship songs that are, are being uh, written. So, and embracing those, those new songs is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we, we go through seasons all the time, you know, seasons of joy, seasons of mourning. And I think that when we acknowledge the seasons that we're in and we find songs that speak to that, that the Lord, you know, meets us in it. It's awesome. We listen to Crosswalk. We're going to head to a break. Please stay with us. We got more coming back. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for joining me and listening. Hope that you're having a great afternoon. I have Billy Demira with me in studio today, our worship pastor at RMC. At the end of the last session, we just ended off with talking about writing songs and the different seasons that God has us in individually and as a church. And Billy, how important do you think it is, if possible, for worship pastors to be writing songs for the church? their churches and the different seasons that they're going through. Uh, I think, I think it's really important. Like I think for a long time, I didn't realize how important it was until we decided to invest in it and kind of make it more of a priority, which I would say even more, it was even recently that we, you know, kind of put in, started putting more emphasis on it. But I think there's something really special about, you know, coming together as a staff or a worship team um, kind of praying on what the Lord is doing, maybe what the Lord wants to do, and then writing songs out of that space. You know, whether your congregation is 10 or 50 or 100 or, you know, 5,000 or whatever it may be, like when you're vulnerable, which worship is really vulnerable in general, but vulnerable about where your church is at, maybe where your heart is out and writing from that space of vulnerability I think that there's something really incredible that the Lord does. You know, we've written some songs out of uh, seasons of, you know, intense anxiety for me, or um, like we talked about in the last session, like um, just loss and uh, really hard, hard things in relationships and marriages. And, um, you know, we've seen the church really latch on to those songs and take ownership. And I think that the culture of worship at our church is growing because of the songs that we're writing, because we're not writing songs for anyone else other than us. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. So much of uh, worship music seems to be on a global scale or a national scale, which is cool. Yeah. But it's awesome to think about some songs that are specific to a local church. And a lot of these songs that are big hit worship songs, Mm -hmm. they started in a local church. Absolutely. You know, a worship pastor wrote them for the body that he's a part of. Right. You know. Yeah, and that's that's what we've been doing, you know, and to see the Lord use it to bring breakthrough in in people's lives uh is is really incredible. You know, we um lost a dear sister not not too long ago and man, I might cry for real. Uh but um her husband after she passed away came up and talked to me about a song that we had written that she had been writing on her deathbed or she had been listening to on hmm. her deathbed. And like if you would have told me you know, whenever we wrote that song a couple years ago, that this was going to bring somebody comfort in their last moments. Like Mm. it's heavy. And I never thought that that was a possibility, but there's something so, so beautiful about that. Like that the Lord uses, is using these, these songs for, you know, immeasurably more than we could have imagined, you know? 
Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You know, when we step out, it reminds me of giving God our five loaves and two fish. Yeah. You know, we write that song, we preach that message, don't know what God's going to do with it. And then here somebody is in their last moments of their life and getting ministered to. And then she wanted that song sung at her funeral. Yeah. And our church really rallied around that, that song and the comfort of that song and yeah. amazing, you know? Yeah. And I never in a million years would have thought that that was a possibility, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that, that that would be a story that came out of, of a song that, you know, we had written for, I think it was a message that you were teaching on Psalm 23 at the time. Yeah. We were know? going through Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it just goes to show that that when we're open and vulnerable and flexible and willing to step out in what the Lord is calling you to in, in whatever area of your ministry that it may be, like he honors those steps, you know, and those steps are hard sometimes. And songwriting is super vulnerable. You know, you're putting your heart and soul into something and bringing it to your congregation and saying like, man, we, in a sense, wrote this for you. We hope you like it. You know, right. yeah, yeah. So you know. it's hard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's the same way with messages and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's messages that you preach where you're like, man, this really, really hits home for me, and I want, I, I hope that it translates to, to where people are, and and they get to meet with the Lord through what I'm going through, and it's it's similar in songwriting. It's 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 awesome, but man, it's scary at the same time. Yeah, you know, I this might be wrong, but I don't know that God like necessarily wants us singing the same songs from 20 years ago. Yeah. Like there's some value in that and bringing back an an old song and it it becomes fresh, but he does want to do new work in our lives. And that is reflected in new songs. So I think there's a balance there of, of old songs, you know, but also a new song, like God wants to put a new song on our hearts, you know, where new wineskin. Yeah. And it's, so I think it's so important in the Psalms, you know, we are commanded to sing a new song mm-hmm. uh, to the Lord. I know Cameron, one of our other worship pastors, you guys write together sometimes. Yeah. When you guys sit down to write a song, what what does that look like? Like I, I picture you guys getting out your guitars and, but it's a lot of work. It'll take days, yeah. weeks sometimes to write a song. Yeah. It's really interesting how... Um, it's structured, like it's structured, but it's not at the same time, you know, a lot of times one of us will bring an idea and be like, Hey, I've been playing this. And we have, you know, we have times where 10 minutes later we have a song and, you know, we kind of like fine tune it and play with it. And we're like, man, this is, this is done. And it took 30 minutes sometimes, or, you know, we have songs that we like labor over for years. We're actually, we're like revisiting a song that, you know, I started writing a few years ago that we just, I was like, Oh, this is done. And then now we opened it up and he was like, man, there's potential here. Like we got to go with it. So I think there are songs that, that come really easily and there are songs that you have to really work through. And I think both are, are effective. You know, um, I think this is amazing grace, that song by Jeremy Riddle and yeah. Phil Wickham. Um, they wrote that song, I think like five or six years before it came out and they both thought it was a terrible song. Wow. And they're like, no, we're never going to put this out. It's kind of cheesy and we don't like it. And then, I think they played it for somebody and somebody was like, no, you guys have to put that out. And then it was number one on the charts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so even, even songs that you may be thinking are bad or that like can't be used. Like, I think that there's no limit to what the Lord wants to do in those things, in those songs. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's a really good point. You know, one thing I think I would love for people to hear 
is just some of the criticism mm-hmm. that you receive as a worship pastor. You know, what do you think the ratio is if if you were to have, you know, five people say, "Hey, I really got blessed this weekend." You know, how much criticism would there potentially be? Oh man, more a lot more. More criticism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh I think it's interesting, but most of the time in in my experience and I think that it's a lot of people's experience too. People are really quick to tell you when they're upset, but they're slow to tell you when like their expectations were exceeded or, or yeah. I don't know if there's or, a different way to say that, but or they're or, blessed or yeah, exactly. To you. Yeah. Exactly. Like, um, I think that when people, when people are, are upset, they're very, uh, vocal about it. And you know, when, when you're excited about something or you love something, you kind of just leave with it. And so I think more people say, you know, I was, I didn't like this or it was too loud or I didn't like this song or as opposed to, um, the opposite of that. Yeah. So I would encourage you when your worship pastor plays a song that blesses you or the Holy Spirit meets you, send an email, write a note, talk to him after service, encourage the the tech team, you know, the person, the run and sound and, and all of those types of things. And, yeah. Because that encouragement goes a long way because we don't know what God's doing in someone's life unless they, they share that uh, yeah. with us. And it can be really discouraging to uh, be a, a worship pastor. And and so I think giving that encouragement and letting them know what God's doing in your life, that feedback is just so important. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, like preparation that goes into, you know, services from worship to AV to, um, I don't know, you name it. I think there's a lot more that happens behind the scenes. And so, you know, we're praying and seeking the Lord on what he wants to do through songs and sets and, and, um, you know, lights or whatever it may be. And so hearing that encouragement is, is encouraging, you know, like it's nice to hear, not that it's about validation or anything like that, but yeah, it is nice to, to hear, you know, that like, Hey, God really moved through this today and to, to see that happen. You're listening to Crosswalk with Eric and Billy DeMira. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Where I talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Good God Almighty, I hope you'll find me. Welcome back to Crosswalk with Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you're doing well. Just want to remind you that this radio show turns into a podcast. So anywhere that you get your podcasts, you can search Crosswalk Colorado Springs and the shows will come up. So if you missed a show or missed part of a show, make sure to check out the podcast. Today I've got Billy Demira with me. The worship pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary, we get the joy of serving uh, together. And we're talking about just how long worship pastors last in ministry. And and Billy's actually been our longest, had the most longevity as a worship pastor at uh, RMC. But most worship pastors don't last too long. Why do you think that is, Billy? Yeah, I think uh, I think the, the statistic is, you know, most worship pastors last two, two and a half to three years at at you know, any specific church. And I I think part of that um, is wrestling with calling. And I think, you know, we talked about last time wrestling with criticism um, and stuff like that. And I think that sometimes some of that stuff can just wear on you. And I think that, um, you know, if you don't have 
people to talk to or people to process with, or, um, you know, I'm grateful for, for our relationship where, you know, we have honest conversations and stuff like that. And I, I think it's really healthy for you to be able to talk about how you're feeling and, um, be encouraged or, um, rebuked or whatever, you know, wh- yeah. whatever side it falls on. Um, and just being willing to grow, uh, you know, kind of as a pastoral staff with your lead pastor on vision and, um, communication and, and just kind of aligning your hearts in that. Cause I think that sometimes, you know, vision plays into it. Like, I think this needs to be the vision for the worship team, but it may not be the vision of the church. And so there's a, a push and pull there. And, yeah. um, or it comes down to, you know, what songs we want to do. Like, Hey, I feel like the Lord's ministering through these songs to me, but you know, we want you to play these songs. And so I think there's a lot of variables that can kind of play into it, but I think a lot of them can be, um, you know, kind of negated with just honest conversation. It seems like there can be a gap between the lead pastor, the teaching pastor and the worship pastor mm-hmm. where they almost become two silos where yeah. they're not really connecting uh, and, and they're not really serving together. And mm-hmm. then the enemy really gets in there yeah. where I think you can tell when there's a team between the worship pastor and the lead pastor mm-hmm. where they're, they're linked together in relationship and vision. Um, but it, it does seem like that, that becomes a divide and, and ultimately kind of brings damage in a church potentially, you know? Yeah. And I think it, it goes even further than, you know, lead pastor, worship pastor, but just in church staff in general, like if you don't have that, that building block of trust, then I, I think that there can be a lot of division that comes from that. You know, when people are making different calls or, you know, stepping into different things that, that have to do with the vision or, or moving forward in, you know, whatever the church wants to do, if there isn't that trust there and that, that value of, of, you know, preferring one another or whatever, like it can be really easy to, to feel divided. Yeah, exactly. We know enemy has like the same card. He just keeps playing it over and over and he loves to, to isolate, you know, pastors, ministry Mm -hmm. leaders, even from their own team. Yeah. And then before long we become really uh, vulnerable. One of the misconceptions I think that happens for pastors in general and worship pastors is that we really don't do a lot of work, you know, that yeah. we, we kind of just show up on, on Sundays and really good at golf. And then the rest of the week we play <laughs> golf, yeah. you know, and uh, maybe speak into that a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, I mean, just as you were saying, I mean, you've noticed it in, in what you do as well. Like we're here a lot, you know, and there's, there's um, seasons where we're here more than others. Um, but there's a lot of work that goes into the preparation for the weekends, whether it's, you know, I'm sure you teaching, you're studying and, um, you know, we're planning sets and organizing practices and reaching out to volunteers and there's admin work and emails and lights and funerals and weddings and like, you name it, you know? And so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of things that are always happening at the church. You know, I, I think that a lot of people are normally just here probably Wednesdays and weekends, but throughout the week there's counseling and um, events and stuff to set up for stuff to prepare for missions, dinners. I mean, and all that stuff takes, um, takes a lot of work and a lot of prep. And so uh, there's a lot of things that people probably don't realize are going on if they're not involved that are going on on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. The church is a busy place. Yeah. 
and your guys's ministry, like AV involves everything. Yeah, you know, the, there, there's a need for your guys's department in everything that happens. Right, and there's there's so much uh, work uh, to be done. Let's kind of finish off where we started. Yeah, just with that emphasis on worship in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really become an anthem for us. Yeah, you know, in John four, Jesus speaks to the woman at the well yep. and says, "I'm going to seek those who worship me in spirit and in truth." And yep. Sometimes in our relationship with God, we can be, you know, very emphasized on the truth, which is so important. I think Mm -hmm. that's the foundation. The truth comes first, but our spirit's not alive. We're not expressing our love to God. Right. And then there's other times where our spirit's really alive. God, I love you. We're pouring out our affection and Mm -hmm. our gratitude, but we haven't been in God's word for a really long time. And it seems like worship really comes together when we can worship him in spirit and in truth as a congregation and also as an individual. Yeah. I, I think there's a, there's a beautiful dichotomy there that we miss a lot of times where um, we, we read spirit and truth and they're separate, but I really believe that they're supposed to be to used together. Right, I like you know, that. It's, it's supposed to be a partnership of, you know, the pneuma, the breath of God and the aletheia, the truth of who he is. And so when we, when we can grasp that, and and kind of find the balance um, in a sense of of man, I don't know whether I'm, you know, rooted 50% in truth or 50% in the spirit or right. whatever the percentage is or yeah. whatever, like um, that God really moves through that because he's moving through the power of his word, which we know never comes back void, but he's moving through, you know, the, the spirit, like the church in Acts that blew the doors off the place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's a lot of power in both. And so trying to blend the two together in worship, I think is is the Lord's heart, which we see in John four. Yeah. Um. And I, but I think sometimes it takes, it, it takes a lot of preparation and work on our part too to to pray about it and find, um, you know, in worship specific moments maybe where we're we're praying through like, man, what does the Lord want to do right here, right now, in this moment, and and being faithful to to allow Him to do that, but also having kind of structure or truth involved as well. You know. Yeah. That that's really really good. I would encourage uh, people listening today to just kind of evaluate in my relationship with God, what maybe is weaker. Yeah. I'm really strong in worship and spirit, or I'm really strong in worship and truth. And Mm -hmm. and how can I grow in that, in that other expression? Yeah. Because it's really powerful to think of, man, when Jesus hears worship that is spirit and truth, he seeks that out. He, he's glorified. And he's he's pleased. pleased. He's like, yeah. You know, I think of like a really good meal, you know, it's like you, you steak s- and potatoes. Yeah. Or you <laughs> Steak and potatoes. You need both. <laughs> you know, you drive by a good barbecue spot. Right. And you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm seeking that out. Yeah. And, and God, and when that aroma of spirit and truth comes to him, he's just loving it and, and seeking it out. Billy, thanks so much for joining me. I, I really appreciate what you do at Rocky Mountain Calvary yeah. and excited about what God's doing in your life and the songs that you're, you're writing. You can check out those songs at RMC Worship on, on any of the platforms uh, where you stream uh, music. Uh, but man, thanks for joining me. Anytime, yeah. man. Thank you. Yeah. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Eric Cartier. I just want to remind you that this show does turn into a podcast. Uh, so you can find the co- podcast by searching Crosswalk Colorado Springs. And we've had some great 
episodes. We've had some great guests in the last few weeks, and I'd love for you to be able to track with us as we go through this. And it's a real privilege to be able to host uh, this show. If you are looking for a home church, looking to plug into a church here in the Springs, I'd like to invite you to Rocky Mountain Calvary. We meet on Saturday nights at 6 and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11. We're currently going through uh, the Book of Romans and have a dynamic youth ministry and also a dynamic children's ministry. And as you heard from Billy and sharing with us today, a real priority in worship in spirit and in truth. So have a great night. Remember that the Lord loves you, that he is with you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. And we'll be back with you next time. And treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.